You are listening to The Quiet Reformation. I'm Justin Ryan Boyer here along with Timothy Paul Deering. Today on the podcast, we have Terry Davis. Repentance says, I'm going to start acting on it and I'm changing. I'm changing my mind and my way. And it's not, it's not for shame. It's not to, to, to bring in a level of hopelessness. It's really to invite God's way in so that we can be aligned with him. And if we're talking regionally, if we're talking about, you know, the church Catholic, you know, that universal church, it says, yeah, we need to make sure that we are aligning ourselves with the things that move the heart of the Father, things that have to do with justice, things that have to do with people who are sick, people who are in prison, people who are hungry. Terry Davis started pastoring a Christ Community Church in Philadelphia in 1998. One of the greatest joys and sources of strength for him comes from family. He and his wife Pamela have three sons, two daughter-in-laws, and the greatest of granddaughters. Terry not only enjoys music, but writes it as well, at one time including it into the regular worship rhythm of the church. On the zany end of things, he is a Looney Tunes fan seeing spiritual realities played out in the battle between Roadrunner and Wiley E. Coyote. Terry is also a huge football fan, but for the sake of unity, we'll leave talk about favorite teams on the bench. We welcome Terry to the Quiet Reformation. Everybody, so glad that you could join us today. I am so blessed by what we have to offer today. Today, you're going to be hearing from Pastor Terry Davis, who is, uh, among many things, he is first and foremost to me, an incredibly dear friend. Uh, he is is also uh, someone who provides a lot of care uh, for Jen and I in our ministry with Netzer, uh, deep partnership with us when it comes to regional church. He serves as a board member with Netzer. He's been in pastoral ministry for uh, a long time, has been pastoring Christ Community Church for about 25 years, I believe. And he is uh, also uh, someone who uh, brings an enormous amount of experience to uh, regional partnership and unity in the broader body of Christ. And I'm so happy to welcome our brother and my friend, Terry Davis, to the podcast today. Terry, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, this is just an amazing opportunity to, to be with you and, uh, and to share uh, kingdom mindsets and hearts. And I will echo what you shared, that uh, God has just given us wonderful, wonderful friendship. And I am so grateful that these divine encounters happen um, under, under his leadership, his way, things that we're not expecting at all. So thank you for welcoming me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And one of the things, Terry, that is new, so we're recording this in March, and Terry just uh, took up a new position at Philadelphia Gospel Movement. So as, as you're thinking about the future of PGM, um, what, are some, what are some hopes, dreams, desires that are just starting to percolate in you for the Regional Church of Philadelphia um, as, as you look forward to the, the upcoming months and years, what kind of stuff is stirring in you for that, that new doorway, that new pathway that's opening up for you to shepherd and to lead and to encourage? 
Well, first, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Glenn McDowell and the entire PGM team uh, and the board um, who have been serving uh, for uh, since 2016, um, establishing uh, PGM. Three things uh, come up uh, uh, as I am, I am leading this group to try and bring a greater level of collaboration among uh, leaders, Christian leaders in the body of Christ in Philadelphia, but also Christians themselves, individual Christians being stirred up. And the movement really uh, circles around three areas. Uh, the first area is uh, the awakening of the church. And that's not a one-time thing. We're always being revived. We're always being stirred up. That second description is harvest. You know, I believe that whether we're talking about the organization or individual believers, whether we're talking about those city leaders or we're talking about those who are at home or in the marketplace, um, we want to see people come to Jesus. We want to see the gospel preached, not just from pulpits, but individual lives. We want to see a wave of the gospel, even generationally. We want to see the gospel preached and people come to know Jesus Christ. And those who have even been, who have strayed away, those who have gotten disconnected, whether by sin or there was some kind of event that happened and you got disillusioned or, or, or um, disconnected from the heart of the father who loves them, but something happened. We want to see people come back to Jesus. So we've got so far, we've got the church awakening where revival is concerned. Then we also have harvest people coming to Jesus. And the last one is really, um, it's a, it's a, um, it, it, it's an indicator that the first two have happened. It's an indicator and it is transformation. We want to see the needle move when it comes to the broken, uh, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to sickness and disease, when, you know, when it comes to, you know, those who are incarcerated, we want to see the needle move when it comes to children. And th this is the heart of the father. And so that's, that's a, a, you know, just a short description of how we want to see the movement of the gospel take place in the city. And I'm just humbled that I get to play a small, small part. There's uh, a number of things, Terry, that I'm so grateful uh, for that, that God has in store for the regional church under your leadership. But in particular, there's two. One is that you have an absolute laser focus and commitment to prayer and uh, that you are calling the church to seek the face of God together. Your deepest desire in life is always to be deeply uh, and intimately knit in the presence of God and to draw others into that same place. And that is uh, accompanied by a shepherding heart that loves people um, and that wants to see people flourish. Um, and so uh, even as Terry, you talked about uh, the heart of individual Christians being able to be connected in the mission and in the presence of God together with one another, that all comes from that deep shepherding heart. And so I think, uh, the, the priestly heart of wanting to be present with God and the shepherding heart 
that wants to be present with people are things that I'm extremely excited about for the regional church to experience under your leadership. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate you calling that out, Tim. Um, and, and in this way, um, what God does to us individually is really what he wants to do through us. And I don't think uh, with David um, being that shepherd or with uh, Peter and Jesus saying, hey, take care of my lambs and my sheep, um, it doesn't happen without them receiving just the Father's heart for their individual lives. And, and that kind of picture, yes, happens with me. Um, and that's what we're looking to knit together and tie together with every leader and every believer in the city that says, yeah, what he's done to me, he wants to do through me. And so I appreciate you calling out that, that personal interaction with the Father. And as we start this um, next leg of this movement, we want to we make sure prayer is emphasized because if he's not invited in, then it doesn't get done. And, and it really, isn't that what prayer is? Prayer is saying, God, we want to invite you in on this, you know, and we want it to go beyond just our individual relationship. We use that as a foundation for where you want to take others in our city and in our region. Thank you for calling that prayer piece out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that what you are just naming there, Terry, about kind of defining what prayer is, we see you and I and all of us who are pursuing Christ in prayer, we get to watch both the reflective side of prayer and also the very active side of prayer. And so there's that, the, the contemplative prayer that's saying, I want to enter into God's presence and what he's doing and be attentive to what he's doing. But then there's the intercessory prayer where we're also then saying, here are the needs that we're seeing and God, we're calling you in the move with power. And so we want to be present with you in your presence through contemplative prayer and, and through that kind of worshipful uh, attentiveness to God. And then we are saying, we know your heart, God, for all the things that we're seeing. So we call on you now in the name of Jesus mm. to move. And, mm. uh, and I love the fact that you just naturally flow in both of those at the same time and create those kind of atmospheres. And I think that that creates such a, a place of trust as well. Yeah, I know this whole uh, conversation that we're talking about isn't necessarily just prayer, but man, when you start to, to lay it out like that, it just builds me up and bubbles up in me what a real prayer looks like when power does come in. When we get to that place where we say, God, we want you to move, we don't have to create. We, we really don't. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said in, um, in John 16, he says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the spirit of truth and he's going to guide you. And then he says something to him. He says, when he comes, he's not even going to talk about himself. He's going to hear what the father and the son are talking about and then reveal it to us. So we get to pray and declare and decree and establish here what the perfect prayer is what Jesus and the father God are already talking about. And so when we pray the prayers that they pray, man, 
things are going to change. We're going to have some serious, serious movement. And I, I think about that when you start getting deep into it, man. I, I love your descriptions. I love your descriptions. All right, we're getting fired up now. Terry's starting to <laughs> preach, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time keep, keeping myself contained. My hands are going up over here. This is good. So as we think about prayer then, Terry, I, I did a little Facebook stalking of you the past couple of days and listened to a sermon or two of yours. And one of the things that you said that stuck out to me in one of your more recent sermons is that we invite God in by always having moments of repentance. We invite God in by always having moments of repentance. So both on a, um, you know, us as individuals personally, but then also us as the church of the region, like where are these areas that you feel like we're being called to as the church to repentance in order to invite the presence of Jesus, invite the presence of the father, invite the presence of the spirit into um, all of the spaces in our lives. Could you unfold that a little bit more for us? Sure. Uh, well, one of the first things that happens when I look at repentance, um, the first thing that people many times think of is sin in that I've, I've, I've done this horrible, horrible thing. And there's a place for that. Um, I, I believe that just like in the book of in the book of Acts, when he says, you know, repent of your sins, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It, there, is a, there is a real picture of us now coming into the presence of a holy God and seeing who he is. I mean, isn't that what, what Isaiah went through in the sixth chapter? Um, and he said, you know, I got into that place where I saw him high and lifted up. And then I, I saw where I was. And it's not, it's not for shame. It's not to, to, to bring in a level of hopelessness. It's really to invite God's way in so that we can be aligned with him. And if we're talking regionally, if we're talking about, you know, the church Catholic, you know, that universal church, it says, yeah, we need to make sure that we're aligning ourselves with the things that move the heart of the father, things that have to do with justice things that have to do with people who are sick, people who are in prison, people who are hungry. He said, he says, when you saw me in those, in those, uh, in those places, you either came to me or you didn't. And that reflects, okay, God, if I, if I did meet you there, then it gives me confidence that I'm aligned with you. But if I didn't meet you there, then I need to adjust. And we as the church need to adjust. And it's important for us to adjust in that we turn. That's really what repentance means. It means that I'm turning. I'm going in a different direction, going in a different direction. And personally, I will say I live in that state. But for, for the, the body of Christ at large, when we begin to uh, economically and and uh, racially and, and generationally, and even where male and female are concerned, when we begin to turn and say, Father, if people are significant to you, then they must be significant to me. And I need to move on that significance. Repentance says, I'm gonna start acting on it and I'm changing, I'm changing my mind and my way. But I have to talk about this, that in order for, the church, the, the, the body of Christ to really get a hold of this, 
it's got to start individually. Individually, we must be those ones that, that, that go to God on a daily basis. As I said earlier, I try to live in a state of repentance. And I know at first glance, you hear a pastor saying, man, you li- you're, you're constantly repenting? What, what, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that I want to be in a place where the Holy Spirit has a license. Uh, what did the writer say? He says, search me, search me, search me in the way I interact with my wife. Search me in the way that I interact with my children. Uh, a friend of mine has a statement. He says, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And the far-reaching moves that we have, they're going to be fueled, they're going to be fueled by our repentant lifestyle at home. And so I want to live in a state of daily, Lord, am I lined up with you? Lord, am I lined up with you? Here's something funny. Lord, I want to be lined up with you while I'm driving, <laughs> right? While I'm, while I'm driving, am I driving? Am I, am I one of those Christians that engage in road rage, road rage, right? I, I wanna, am I cutting somebody off? Or, or when I beat my horn, is it a bop, bop, or is it a toot, toot? If, if, if you toot, toot, then you're being led by the spirit, you know? But if it's that hard one, that means I'm yelling, I've got anger, I've got rage. So anyway, I just use that as a, as, a, as a funny way of saying, let's make sure that we live in repentance personally first and let that lead to the corporate. Terry, I, I'm so grateful for that thought about repentance. I mean, I, I'm reminded that in the conversations that, that you and I are constantly engaged in around unity in the church, and being brought back together across all of our lines. That, you know, uh, Ephesians 3 and 4, along with John 17, are kind of our, our, our go-to texts, right? I mean, these are like, these are the, there's many, many, the, the whole, the Bible as a whole speaks to God's desire for his children to live in unity. The whole narrative of scripture uh, undergirds this idea that we need to be together pursuing God, reconciled and forgiving one another. But these texts, when it comes to John 17 and when it comes to Ephesians 3 and 4, they, they go after it uh, more directly than just about anything else. In, in the beginning of chapter 4 of Ephesians, it says, Paul's saying, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Having just told us in chapter 3, that that calling has to do with revealing the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted nature of God being revealed through the diversity of the church being unified together. And then what it's saying is the way we live a life worthy of the calling that we've received in verse two is be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, there is one body. And I think that as you mentioned the state of repentance, that flexibility, that moldability, that humility before God, we're certainly being humble with one another. And one of the, one of the tools that I believe the Lord uses in order to help us repent, in order to bring us more fully into alignment with him and one another, is that when when we're humble with one another and we're listening to one another, 
then we're hearing things about ourselves that we wouldn't otherwise know. And I, I mean, it was just, what was it, just a, a week or two ago that Jan and I uh, were with you and Pam in the office where you're sitting right now. And there's things that you're speaking into my life about, you know, I'm, I'm sharing with you, hey, here's some stuff that I'm going through right now. And you're like, well, have you thought about it this way? And I'm like, oh man, like, and it takes the humility to be able to hear and receive and listen to one another in order to say, you know what, that mindset that I've been walking in might be hurting me and therefore not allowing me to be the fullness of what I can be for someone else. And I need someone else to help me point, to help point that out for me um, so that I can see a, a stronger, healthier way to live. And that, that takes that ability to be open to be re repentant and broken. And I'm just reminded uh, that when it comes to this covenant that we all live in together with Christ, that we don't enter into that covenant by being right. We enter in by recognizing that we're not right and we need help. And staying in that posture of humility and repentance is essential in order to maintain that kind of covenantal relationship with God and one another. And the fact that, uh, that you speak so clearly and directly to us that we invite God in through that repentance is a gift to me. And I, again, I think it's what lies at the very foundation of what it means to walk together in unity is be broken, humble, open, listening to one another. I just really, really value and appreciate that about you. Thanks so much, Tim. Well, I thank you for sharing that, Tim. Um, uh, but there also is another side to that. And the safety, um, the, 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 the atmosphere for me to be able to be repentant, it really comes based on the palette that the Father lays out for us. I mean, even when Jesus says in John 3.16, basic, basic scripture every Christian knows. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He doesn't leave it right there. He goes to verse 17 and describes the atmosphere. He says, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I, I like one translation that, that lays it out this way. It says, God didn't go through all of the trouble of sending his son to merely point out your defects and wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. And so when you hear it like that, it says, why wouldn't I come into a room like that? Where he's saying, all you have to do is call on me and I'll turn no one away. No one gets left out. And so when we have, even in the personal and personal relationships, one person may need to repent, but there's an other person that can lay the atmosphere, set the atmosphere, set the tone. In other words, I want to make it so that you are not shamed in this, where you are not made to feel uh, that you've gone too far. One of the things that the enemy does with us is he, so that we won't talk to God, is he comes in with hopelessness. And when the people of God, dealing with the people of God, and as I said earlier, starting with family, starting with our close friendships, 
starting and then moving into those relationships that are a little further out and a little further out. When we get to the place where we say, there's always hope. There's always an expectation of God's goodness here. I want to talk to you about maybe how you're looking at it. This situation, may I need, maybe I need to call something out, uh, but I want to speak the truth in love. Love doesn't just mean I love you. Love brings hope in it. It brings significance in it. It says that you are not worthless. It, it, it says, I'm not just going to point your defects out. I'm going to build you up. Now repentance can take place. I saw it in the book of Revelation where Jesus says, I want to tell you that you've gotten off track and you've left your first love, but I'm going to start off telling you how many wonderful things you're doing, how great you are and how much value you bring to heaven. So I think both individuals play a part when we're trying to get someone to repent. We need to lay the right kind of loving foundation. Hi, everyone. This is Emily Davis. I oversee the project and digital communications for Netzer. Netzer is an IRS-recognized 501c3 organization. We have been working on spiritual reformation for the church in southeastern Pennsylvania for the past decade. Part of what we do is teach about biblical ecclesiology and gather ministry leaders into cohorts for support, care, and development. Please consider investing into the ministry of Netzer by going to netzer.org slash donate. That's netzer.org slash donate. The world that we live in right now is not necessarily one of developing an atmosphere of hope, of having that setting like you were talking about. And even in the church, whether it's leaders or congregations, as we're trying to work together, there's different convictions that come into play. How do churches work together when areas of justice and unity and convictions about how those things should play out kind of get messy? in the midst of that. And we already talked about humility um, and the, the need to always be in that state of repentance, but what else can we do to help set that, that table of hope? And when you and I just aren't seeing eye to eye on something that we're coming from different places, how can we still work together towards justice and yet be unified? Yeah, the, um, these, are, these are great questions and these are uh, tough topics and topics that don't always get um, uh, unpacked in a, in a great way. Um, and we all need help with this. We need help. And I, I cannot overemphasize the beauty of what the Father said through Jesus that he was going to do, that he was going to send us a coach. Holy Spirit is everything. He's everything. He, he's our counselor. He's our teacher. He's the one who comes alongside. There's a, 
There's a Greek word called paraclete. He comes alongside to help us. Um, he's our he's our um, he's our guide. He's the one who comforts us even when we make mistakes because relationships are messy. They're messy, and when decisions have been made and injustices have happened um, to people where they are not made to to feel significant and valued. We need the Holy Spirit to come and help us to make it right. One of the things that I saw that was so helpful, and not everything gets broadcast and not everything gets aired, um, but there are some wonderful things happening in the body of Christ where to Tim's point, um, to your point earlier, Tim, on on, uh, humility, um, it it really stirs up a picture in scripture about the Good Samaritan. And I've seen so much modeling in the body of Christ and all of those areas that need to be fixed. Uh, and especially if you want to talk about injustice and, 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 and racial tensions and all of those things that happen. Looking at the Good Samaritan, you know, without, you know, teaching on the entire picture of it, there's some things that stick out. One of those things is the ability to look and to listen. Looking and listening. Humility is important because I don't know it all. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know how you're hurting. And I can't assume and then act on my assumption. I I firmly believe that assumption is a relationship killer. (laughs) It kills relationships. Because I'm going to treat you a particular way without hearing where you are. And so unless we are willing to look and listen, and the difference between the Samaritan and the Levite and the priest was that everybody looked, but they didn't look long enough. Everybody listened, but they didn't listen long enough. The Samaritan is the one that set the tone there on where heaven was. He looked until he was touched, until he was moved, until compassion came up. He listened to the brokenness and the screams and the cry for help until it touched him. And he was now able to engage and give up himself. If things are going to change, it's going to be because the church continues to look and listen and then they will move and it's going to be based on the spirit leading. Wow. That is so good. Terry, thank you. I I'm reminded that the moments where I have often seen the, the most miraculous uh, partnerships forming that, that people coming together across the most diverse lines and, and partnering deeply and their hearts being knit together have often come in situations where there was a, a, a brokenness that was so obvious, a hurt mm-hmm. and a pain that was so obvious that uh, their hearts could be together broken about that situation enough that they're not thinking about the things that they're confidently disagreeing about. Mm-hmm. And now instead, they're mutually broken over. Um, and I believe that that you and I have experienced that, uh, you know, as we stood up on the Belmont Plateau of Philadelphia, as uh, you know, there was just 
so much turmoil happening all across the city of Philadelphia as the world erupted in response to what happened to George Floyd and yeah. all that was underneath of that um, as it as it culminated. And as we watched a city in chaos, as, as pastors around the region, our hearts were just broken together. Mm -hmm. And then again on the mm -hmm. Belmont Plateau as we yeah. uh, saw what was happening to Asian Americans around the city and, and around the region and around the world, the nation, and uh, again, responding. And, uh, and as we look at uh, different situations that just break our hearts, uh, it, it allows us to come together on, on levels that otherwise those things that Justin is asking, you know, we have some disagreements about this, but man, when things break, I mean, it, 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 yeah, we, we tend to respond in a different, in a different way. And I appreciate the fact that, uh, that you're naming, it takes a long a long listen and a heart of deep compassion for what it is that God is revealing in order to get past some things that, that, that might not be unimportant, but they're not as important as the brokenness that's around us and God's heart for those things. It's so true, Tim. And it's, it's moving past the discomfort, you know, um, can we not change the channel? Right. Um, here you are watching your sitcom or there you are watching your TV show on local channels. And here now there's an interruption with a commercial. But the commercial shows uh, maybe some hungry children. And so now you're, you're uncomfortable. You were doing well. You were fine. You're enjoying your, your meal or your snacks or, or whatever fellowship. But now there's discomfort. You know, our, our, our city is now flooded with those leaders who are now saying, let's take a longer look, a, a, a longer listen to what's going on in Ukraine. And so uh, pastors and leaders are now saying, hey, look, let's come together as the church. Uh, one pastor in particular, although there are many, uh, uh, Jamie Centeno has invited churches to come together and say, hey, let's all look long enough and may our heart be pulled long enough, you know, this coming weekend to, to now pray for those who are in Ukraine. Um, it's not happening in our city. Our train station isn't being bombed. The, 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 the young men from 18 um, and, 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 and older are not being asked to leave their mothers, their daughters, their wives, and go to battle. It, it's, not, it's not happening here in the US, here in the East Coast. It's not happening here in Philadelphia, but it's happening. It's happening to people who have the heart of the Father. It, it, he loves them. So we've got to take a look long enough until we grab hands and unite hearts and we bring the Father's kingdom here in that area of the world. So I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying, Tim. Thank you. One thing that might be helpful for people as they're listening is to hear some of the areas where we see uh, intercongregational partnerships actually taking place and where we see the value in it. I, I think that um, if we had more time, uh, one of the questions I, I would be asking is, uh, for a pastor who uh, looks at their own local context and wants to make it as effective and efficient as possible, 
um, they look at regional church, intercongregational regional church stuff and say, man, there's a lot of things that are outside of my control there. Um, and it might be I'm just spinning wheels and wasting time when I really need to be putting my effort only in my local context. So what would you say to a, a pastor like that? We don't, we don't really have time to go after that. What I do think we could do that might be helpful is for, uh, for people to hear where are the places where we're starting to see intercongregational partnerships take root and do something effective in the kingdom of God. Hmm. Wow. Um, they're, they're happening and we can't, we can't list them all. And there are a lot, but I will, I will mention a couple. Um, one is uh, this brother that I just mentioned, him and his wife, uh, Jamie and Virgie Centeno, and they, they lead in the light ministries. Um, and once a year, um, they bring uh, uh, leaders, not just from the church, but all over the city of Philadelphia together to pray. And of late, they've been having these great venues that have been available these last couple of years, and they've given it away. It's not like they're trying to own it. They give it away. It's called One City, One Love. And it normally happens, I, I don't know the date right now, but it normally happens in the, in the, uh, the summer months. And um, the last couple of years, they've met at the Dell Music Center in Philadelphia. It can seat over 5,000 seats. And they've invited all of the local churches and church leaders and marketplace leaders and all the other spheres, even in government and education, to come, let's call on heaven. Another amazing event that comes up happens in June of every year that we've had a chance to be a part of. And that's a unity service that has been taking place at Bob Oliver's church, Pastor Bob, and he pastors at New Covenant Church of Philadelphia over in Germantown Avenue. And you've got, and look at this as an example, you've got congregation leaders canceling their services saying, we're not going to be in our building right now, but for the sake of building partnership and unity in the city of Philadelphia, let's now come together. And that'll be a sacrifice. But whenever there is sacrifice, fire comes, right? Doesn't fire always come and lick up the sacrifice? So yeah. we sacrifice and say, let's come together for a great move of God. And the last one that I will mention is what's happening What's happening between us, Tim, uh, when, when Glenn brought us together, it really was a picture of saying, what's happening in greater Philadelphia, in the suburbs, and what's happening in the city of Philadelphia? How can we now come together to show we're locking in, and not just locking in of doing great events, we want to learn from each other, which is, you know, to, to put that plug in for one church equipping. Can we learn about unity together? You know, can we dialogue about it together? Can the spirit of God in me connect with the spirit of God in you and in humility and love, learn how to value uh, the significance of each other and show the oneness even for our regions coming together? How do we walk it out? How do we live it out? A few other things that I want to name real briefly. 
Terry, that uh, that we love to watch, right? Is we we we're in the middle of a conversation right now with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association about the resettlement of Afghani refugees across our area, and that um, and how that works intercongregationally in an area, a creative way of uh, going after relief work. Uh, this past year. Uh, when there was floods that uh, happened across the region, uh, we saw in a number of the regions, churches partnering together to, to care for flood victims and to uh, uh, work at relief work, uh, clearing out literally uh, people from different congregations coming together to serve their community. We had that a couple of years ago uh, out where I live when a huge apartment complex uh, burnt to the ground uh, and the, the victims of, of the fire there needed to be resettled. And we saw the church coming together to provide for all the needs they had. And so in relief work, we see this happening. When it comes to next generation, we've seen incredible partnership with the local school districts um, and being able to, to put tutoring programs and mentoring programs in place uh, across the regional church. And even, even to be able to get into uh, the, the local schools and provide lunches for our teachers to say, we know it's been a tough go throughout COVID. We just want to strengthen you and encourage you. We even got to have a unity service in the high school stadium of one of our local schools. And the superintendent was there and we were able to pray over him and uh, watch churches coming together for that unity service. We've seen festivals started for local communities. We've seen intercongregational youth ministries form for churches that are too small to have a really robust uh, youth ministry on their own. So they've partnered together in youth, youth ministry. Just this morning, one of our cohorts was having a, 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 con a conversation about what are we going to do about the young adult population in our area? And the pastors were brainstorming together about how they're going to serve young adults and provide what's needed. In the city of Philadelphia, there's something happening with the Headwater House, which is artists from around uh, the city of Philadelphia coming together to figure out how to love and worship God together and, and uh, allow their, their creativity to kind of inter interface and create beautiful things for the Lord. There's so much that's happening and can happen when the body of Christ comes together. And all of that has started, Terry and I have seen all of that start with one thing, when we come together to pray. When, and it always starts when we come together in prayer meetings. And as we pray, then God begins to birth all the other things. And the trust that is formed through those relationships in prayer allow us to do what Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. And as that atmosphere forms, that, that Terry's been talking about that atmosphere, it creates possibilities for collaboration and partnership on a whole other level. We love that. 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 Terry, as for people to be encouraged in that sort of atmosphere, um, it's always good to hear testimony about what the Lord's been doing. I wonder if there's anything that comes to mind for you right now about a way that you've personally seen God move for you personally, where uh, you've God's just blessed you and you've seen him show up in a way that uh, that just touches your heart that you might share with us and allow us to get a little glimpse into what it looks like in the life of Terry and his Savior and Lord. Well, you know, when I hear of all of these things that are happening, I mean, I've got a, God has given me a sort of a God-sized vision of wanting to see the city of Philadelphia come together. 
and uh, just just these leaders in the city. And and I, I'm just I'm just putting this out there first before I answer your question. Um, just globally or or locally in a broad way, uh, to to see all night prayer events happening, you know, and to see lines being crossed and people, uh, a leader sharing pulpits, you know, switching and swapping pulpits, you know, and trusting, yeah. you know, in that way to, to, to see the, you know, there's a, there's a, a pastor, Brad Leach, and he said an all night prayer, um, linking up with some other pastors all night, they came and all members of, of the body of Christ showed up old and young, different, different uh, uh, generations, different ethnicities, crossing, as you said, those denominational lines. Um, and I, I've just seen it. There's a, there's a pastor, him and his wife, Mark and Wanda Navales, you know, they're, they're planning this huge youth conference later in the year for the leaders, the youth leaders to lead the way in that. These kinds of things just build my heart when I get to see a former mayor like Wilson Good and, and then uh, a, a leader in our, in our, in our city like uh, Eric Lambert and, and, um, and, 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 and seeing him do it and, and Dr. Alan Waller coming together to show God, we wanna see this thing happen. Um, it just blesses me. Personally, you know, about three weeks ago, my uncle passed away. He was the, the youngest of my, my father's siblings. And uh, he was the last one. And they asked me to, my family asked me to, to go and, and uh, do the eulogy for him. And, uh, and I went and I shared. And um, because it's family and because I have to lead and so much was said about him, such an honoring way for, for my uncle, whose name is Charlie Davis. So Uncle Charlie, I got a chance to, to go. And it was neat that, you know, in our friendship, you prayed for me. You, you prayed for me. And, um, and I was great, man. Most of the day, I was good emotionally. I was able to be cool. You know, everything was perfect. And I shared this big audience. And, and I'm on my way back and got into some traffic. This happened in Maryland. So I'm on my way back to Philadelphia. And I'm, I'm getting a little tired. So, you know, Pam and I stopped off to, to get something to eat. And when we did, I, uh, I just lost it. You know, my heart was so full and I, I had to be on all day. And uh, I turned on a, a, Pam turned a Zoom on while we were sitting there eating of a, of a conference. It was actually a prayer gathering by another great leader in our city, uh, uh, Jamie Fitt, who runs a, a 24-hour prayer and praise uh, ministry. And uh, one of the local leaders is actually a leader at our congregation, Ernest Daniels Jr., was leading in, in worship when he turned it on. And he said in the middle of it, hey, wherever you are, and he didn't know I was at this bus, this rest stop. He says, wherever you are, just lift your hands and just whatever is going on, just give God your heart. Here I am in the middle of this crowded rest stop, and man, my hands go up in the air, and there, and, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, God, I just give this moment to you. My heart is broken. My the grief is heavy. I I get a chance just to relax in your presence, and I and I say, Oh, Father, I come to you in faith and say, Take this burden, 
Seconds later, Ernest says to the entire audience, God sees you where you are. He, he didn't know I was doing that. He didn't see me, but it was just what I needed. And isn't that a great picture of the Father? That no matter where we are, no matter what's going on, He sees us. That blessed me so much, filled me so much. I had a great release. We got back in the car and had to drive for another hour and a half. But man, I was, I was great. I was great after that. <laughs> the Lord has a way of seeing me right where I am. And yeah, that's just something simple, um, yet profound on how, how the Father takes care of me. Well, Terry, it is not hard to picture you and Pam in that rest stop with your hands raised because you will do whatever it takes to be present with the Lord. And it is an awesome thing to get help from the Lord through other people in that way. You've been a help to many on that level. And I want to encourage all of our listeners today that the way that Ernest was doing what was in front of him to do, and he had no idea how it was touching Terry, that for many of us, we labor faithfully and we look for the Lord to move. And we don't always get to see what it is that the Lord's doing. But we remember that our sovereign Lord is at work behind the scenes, orchestrating things that we would never see in order to strengthen others for the work that's in front of us. We are interconnected through the Holy Spirit in the covenant relationship that he has given us in Christ. We are a part of this body and it is awesome to be connected to the Lord and to one another. And I'm so grateful to be connected to you, my brother, my friend. So grateful for your time with us today and to all of our listeners. I know that this was a treat for you. Terry, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it and honor you in the name of Jesus. Thanks, Terry. Oh, yes. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tim. It has been a joy for me to be here as we get a chance to show what real relationship and kingdom looks like. Thank you. Amen. Strengthen our hearts, strengthen our hearts.